You are listening to a Lighter Side Show podcast flashback with Jamie Butler, the everyday medium. This audio originally aired as a Lighter Side Show video episode on the Lighter Side Network and may have been edited from its original version. For up-to-date classes and events with Jamie, visit jamiebutlermedium.com and subscribe to the lightersidenetwork.com for hundreds of video episodes and audio podcasts that explore wholeness living, energy work, and more. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary. Hi, Lumineers. Welcome back to The Lighter Side Show. I'm your host, Jamie Butler, The Everyday Medium. And today we have a wonderful guest, Dr. Karin Louise. Yay! (laughs) And just to let you know, guys, it is Dr. Karin. And the way she taught me how to say it was? Like car in the garage. Boom. Yeah. Never forget it from here on out. (laughs) K-A-R-I-N. Correct. Yeah. Not Karen. Not Karen. It's German. Karin. I didn't know it was German descent. My mom's from Germany. Mm -hmm. There we have it. Yeah. Makes me stand out. It does. And I like that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. There are other things that make her stand out as well, and we're going to get to that. You are a psychotherapist. Mm -hmm. How long have you been doing this? I've been doing this, gosh, like 10 years um, in and out of different kind of specialties. But right now I'm in the spiritual realm, and um, I've kind of refocused since things have kind of changed for me. Thanks to Miss Jamie Butler and all my spiritual beings that have really, really helped me integrate spirituality with teaching. So I'm a clinically tra- trained therapist with a PhD in counseling and psychology and education, but I'm now like a spiritual counselor because things happen and shifts happen. And I'm also a mom of three, but um, I do inspirational speaking and I'm also an author. I have a book and I'm working on another one. So we'll do Wait, that now. Yeah. The book is The Fatherless Daughter Project. Yes. Understanding Our Losses and Reclaiming Our Lives, which I wrote with another um, wonderful woman named Dina Babel, and um, it's for anyone who has lost the bond with their dad due to death, divorce, incarceration, abuse, addiction, and it's really helped a lot of people. And I, for all those that understand spiritual awakening, so I was very clinical in the beginning of the book, and my spiritual awakening happened about right here. In the middle? Yeah. <laughs> so the second half of the book is really filled with um, super spiritual stuff woven in with clinical stuff. So anyone that's still having daddy issues and that's dealing with, you know, the... Um, the after effects of not having a bond with your dad. It's I'm really proud of this book. It's published with Penguin Random House, and it's done really well. So pick it up if well, you still have stuff. You guys have been touring and lecturing mm-hmm. and even doing some workshops mm-hmm. with the book title as well. And you have a mm-hmm. nonprofit as well. You're the co-founder mm-hmm. of the nonprofit for Fatherless Daughters. That's true. We have the Fatherless Daughter Project, and it's at fatherlessdaughterproject.com. And we're hoping to do a um, – we have a retreat actually scheduled for in March, and – that date is on our website at fatherlessdaughterproject.com. So that's going to be exciting. Oh, my God, you yes. guys. I'm so lucky to have you here. You're yeah. so busy. Yeah. And you can you. find out everything else that she's doing at drkarin.com. Yeah. And you spell out doctor. You're also on Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter. Like, we can mm-hmm. find all your little tidbits and everything that you're putting out there. And I really love your Facebook posts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I go through and I binge and I just yeah. look at the ones you've posted. Yeah. You know, as I'm sitting down, I'm like, oh, God, that one's great. And then I'm like, crap, it's 30 <laughs> minutes later. I'm supposed to be gone. I'm like, oh, and I close That's it out. Oh, Jamie's been watching me. That's it's awesome. True. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I do the same like thing. Because you, you talk from you. Like yeah. what you're doing, what your experiences are. It's not like I'm reading, and and no offense, Deepak Chopra, big lover of yours, yeah. but I know you can't do everything, and you probably have somebody running social media, mm-hmm. and it's like post after post of things mm-hmm. that are really astounding and good and inspirational, but 
it's like I know that it's a post, maybe it's written by somebody right. else. For you, like the I voice behind everything you're doing, it's like, I have a friend. I have somebody who's going through this too. Yeah. And somebody who's understanding it. And so it makes me want to read more and get addicted. Well, thanks for saying that. I think it really speaks to what we're talking about today because, you know, we can label ourselves and I am a clinically trained therapist. Like I've got this label of psychotherapist, which kind of scares people because the word psycho is in it. Um, <laughs> somebody told me that I was like, oh, I guess that is a weird word if you don't know what it is. And um, so that's a label that's on me. And, you know, PhD is here. But then I have this wonderful new interest and skill set that's come my way, you know, the past several several years since my awakening is you know, since I've allowed it to happen. And so, um, you know, I've had to also deal with labels and like recreating, what do I call myself here? And then what do I still stick to? And, you know, cause there's expectations involved. And so mm -hmm. I've had this reformation. And so part of what I've done, which is what you just mentioned is I've really tried to start speaking from my eye voice. So thank you for, oh my for honoring that. Well, you have done yeah, it because it's, it's great. Cause you know, when you do that, you're also creating your own, um, somewhat of a, of a label, but an identity for yourself. And you're speaking your truth instead of allowing the labels that may be floating around you to identify you. And so, you know, you're creating your own truth because you know, what we're going to get into is the fact that labels are created for a reason, but they tend to be way overarching and way too general and sometimes negative. And then, you know, they put us in a box. And so by using our I voices more and by identifying ourselves from, you know, our soul, our inner being, our higher being, we're, do, we're going to recreate them for ourselves. Do you think that we use labels just because we need them for communication purpose or are we using labels to um, really connect and identify? Is that a strange question to ask? Like, no, there's got to be a why. Um, I think... Yeah, I think, so as a clinically trained therapist, I know like we have this um, DSM diagnostic manual that we use and there's, um, you know, we have to diagnose people um, or the community that we work with says we have to diagnose because there needs to be some kind of a, a template, a format from where we treat people. And so they've created diagnoses, you know, bipolar diagnosis, depression, whatever it is. So those are labels that are clinical, but they were formed in an effort, which was very well intentioned and well-meaning and still is to try to help formulate, um, you know, ways of helping people feel better, medicines that might help them feel better, techniques. And so if not like the complexity of the human experience is so big that there's, I mean, we know that there's a continuum, like there's not just one shade of blue. There's not one shade of depression. There's a million, but clinically, um, the, just to defend the reason why they were there is because they had to have somewhere to stand on and had to have something, you know, to lean off of and to get the insurance companies to pay for. And so there's a lot of that, you know, it's true that goes on, but the shame of it is then it puts labels on people and it boxes them in and we become really driven by that. You know, I've had several readings where clients will call in and they say, well, I'm under a therapist's care and they say I am X, Y, Z. And their question following that is, am I? Like right. they're looking for some validation because they can't find the connection to it. Yeah. So it's interesting. It, it's, it's a way to organize really, but it mm -hmm. might not be that accurate blue, blue label. Mm -hmm. It might be blue periwinkle. Right. You know, on a spectrum of something else. Mm -hmm. But when we hear it as people, we're like, oh, you're saying it's blue? It's blue. Right. It's not a variation of. So do you have ways or techniques in helping people get beyond and, like, understand the, the, the gray scale? Like the... Right. Well, yeah. you know, when you just said that, this is so awesome. Oh, spirit just, like, totally. When you just said gray scale, what I heard was grace scale, <laughs> which I love um, because... There is grace in acknowledging that there's a continuum because it allows the person to not be inside this like black and white box. Because look at, we've looked at mental health in this country 
pretty strongly the past several years, particularly. And, you know, we're understanding it, but at the same time, it tends to box people, box people in and that identification can be really harmful because then you feel really limited, you know, and it's, so we're talking about clinical diagnoses, but, you know, we'll just go with that for now because I know we're going to go into other things. But, you know, what I really, when I work with people, I kind of, I'm not a big fan of using them. I mean, we'll say it and acknowledge it and say, well, what can we say that that says about you that, so what's your experience? And we don't say I have bipolar. What people tend to say now is I'm a, or I am bipolar. They use the words like I am a person that has bipolar or I have bipolar experiences. So I go more into, let's talk about how this is feeling for you. Like, what is it? Because there's no, there's no hard lined, um, for me, overarching depression, bipolar, whatever it is that mm -hmm. you can squeeze anybody to. So I allow the grace scale for them to where they can find their own place. And they also know that there's a way out and there's, there's ways of healing that then can come from a really spiritual place that maybe no one has shown them. And that's the beauty of doing what you and I do, which is helping them in that way. Cause community is so, not teaching that. I really like you, you got them to look at the language of how they're saying it. So mm -hmm. you said, it goes from I am bipolar right. to I have bipolar experiences. Right. All of a sudden, it's not the I am, mm -hmm. my foundation, what I've made of, what I'm carrying. So like you do this in your sessions mm -hmm. where you get them to communicate it in a way where then it's malleable. Like you said, they get a way out. Yeah, because you're exploring it. That is yeah, so And you're taking wonderful. it apart because if not, it's just like this heavy blanket and... It almost, I don't want to say it's an excuse. It becomes a, um, a limit for them because right. then they walk in the room, I am this. And then what you are saying is, therefore, I can't be this. Therefore, I'm only limited to going this far. And it's like, well, let's talk about the experience and give you your own, like, we won't even need a label. Let's just give it, let's just describe it. Let's do an exploration of what you're actually experiencing around it. Let's talk about the emotion of it. What, how is it interfering with your life? Like, what's happening to you? And let's take this out of the room and instead discuss your experience. And then, you know, find ways of doing a whole body connection where we can find a way out of what's really holding them out of being their authentic self. Okay, so have you done practices in therapy in both ways? Like, I'm oh, yeah. guessing mm -hmm. that in your early days of practicing, it was the technical side where you had to do the labels, mm -hmm. you know, you filed the entrance and all that. Mm -hmm. And now you've made this shift into approaching therapy from many different angles like you said integrated therapist mm -hmm. what yeah. what's it like being you know coming from one extreme end and finding this flexibility where still I think our country in America and and possibly other countries they're not caught up to speed of integration yeah. they're still thinking in solid mass terms mm -hmm. are you able to get people to understand it quickly. I mean, do you find that you also have to teach the family what you're doing or how you're approaching therapy? Do you have to teach their doctors how you're approaching? Like, are you running into brick walls? It, it's an, you have to basically unlearn. I mean, I know it's, it's like, you know, we talk about, I know we, you and I have talked so much about the, you know, in your teachings that the, in how we've been so ingrained with the labels and um, yes, I mean, I, I don't do that much work with their doctors. I help them to, if I will have a discussion, but I really want that person to find a foundation within themselves where they believe it so strongly that we're, yes, we're going to spread it, but it is tough to do because when someone's, especially when they've been raised with it, you know, you've, everyone's like, oh, I'm so ADD. I can't do this. I can't do that. But 
let's talk about what that looks like for you. And let's not make that, let that limit you. Let's talk about like, how is that getting in the way? And what's, especially with relationships. I mean, that's the big one. You know, how is this interfering or how do you see yourself limited as a professional? And so, yes, as far as like the people in the workplace, the doctors they're working with, the family members, you know, let's, let's, let's change our language around how we're looking at Mm -hmm. this. Let's stop putting this label on you and saying that it's going to interfere or somehow create an expectation that we're just going to go this way and we're going to work here. Let's talk about how we can be malleable and work from the things that are specific to you. Like what makes your heart beat faster in a good way? Like, where are you excited? Like what makes you feel aligned? And let's, let's ride the wave of, you know, positive stuff in your life and try to make that win. Dude, I can hear myself in the stories you're telling. I mean, yeah. I'm absolutely guilty. Oh, no, everyone is. Naming the label, like the, I carry the, um, I'm stupid label. I'm dyslexic label and growing up in my day and age, I just had a difficult time and I didn't want to be a burden. I'm a pleaser. So I wouldn't tell people I was having a difficult time learning or reading or doing math. I would just tough it out and hide it and be kind and sweet and loving and get my way through. And so now when I'm doing things like even launching the lighter side network, she's super smart. (laughs) That's so weird though. Like I'm, I I haven't, had many occasions where I say that about myself, but this, I might start crying. Oh, Lord. Yeah, well, it's deep. Pull back on those, those cameras yeah. right now. Um, but like, this yeah. is the first time in my life that I've done something and I called my dad and I was like, I'm proud of myself. I was like, no, 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 you don't get it. I'm really proud of myself. My dad says, I'm proud of you too. I said, did you just hear me? He goes, I did. He's like, that's the first time you've ever said that. I go, I know, because I've always mm. thought I didn't do it right. Or good enough because I'm stupid. You know, I still haven't gone like, I am so smart and stuff like that yet. But the pride piece? Oh my God, guys. It feels so good to work on yourself and be able to connect to those things that you just thought you weren't gonna. It is so good. That's huge. It is huge. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting because, like, I've known Jamie for several years and I know she's super smart. Um, and so, but that's like, you hear people say that, and I guarantee you, everybody that's watching or listening can connect. Everybody can connect to something. And that's a big one for people. That's a big trigger. I mean, I have a really, really good friend that deals with that with writing. And when she gets triggered, it like bottoms her out because it's from childhood. And that wound is like, literally like, like you feel it immediately because you feel like it defines you and then limits you, you know, but with someone like you, you know, and I learned a lot of this from you, the, um, so much of the experiences that people are having with these issues, I mean, there's uh, there's so many spiritual components that are going on too. It's like, well, let's look at why, like the dyslexia for you. I mean, I know you had like all this other stuff going on and someone that maybe had really extreme emotional experiences or someone that may not be able to attend to things and be labeled ADHD. Let's look at why, like what what is actually, like something's happening in you that's probably really supercharged that we can give grace to that will explain this. That's coming from like a whole body level and mostly a soul level that's just not being explained in our culture through diagnoses. Oh my God, are you working yeah, with children? Yeah. <laughs> well, you I do. Yeah. Families? You know. I mean, it's coming my way. I used to be actually in a, um, an early childhood education teacher. I used to teach uh, second, third, and fourth grade. And now I have three little ones, ages eight, eight, and six. Um, so I am because I work with them every day at school. And I have one that's struggling right now. We actually um, are seeing a specialist today, actually, after I leave here. Um, so it's, it's hitting home for me too. And But I'm very sensitive to really recognizing for him and really flipping these things to saying, look, there's a strength here. Like the inability to do something that culture says you should be doing this way. There's something else happening with you that has, there's a spiritual meaning behind it. 
And let's focus on what is beautiful about you that's, that's just interfering with what culture is expecting from you. And even though we may not be able to convince the world, like let's convince you so that you can start to be proud of yourself like you've learned to do. I mean, look how long that took you, but hooray. Because yeah. um, I'm proud to know you and proud of everything you do, but it's, <laughs> see, everybody deals with it. I mean, I'm so glad you said that because people, it, it gives them permission to also be honest about those kinds of things. Oh my God. Next week I'm 44 and this is the first time in my life that I'm for genuine, like really proud of what I'm doing but I was listening to talking about connecting to your kids and I was getting really excited on the inside (laughs) like graffiti bombs going off in my head I'm like (laughs) oh my god you know it's true as our generations are moving on this um hand-me-down label system Mm -hmm. is starting to change yeah it's not you know I definitely in my household I haven't looked at my children and said you're stupid I have a son who's dyslexic and extremely empathic, and boy, he is not made for public school. Right. He's not. When we tried this year, and Lumineers, if you've been listening, you've heard some stories about Luca and his sensitivities, and I have on many occasions been frustrated, and I tell directly to him, I was like, I'm frustrated, but it's at this angle. I'm not frustrated with you. I'm frustrated because I want to give you a safe space and I want to provide you with an answer and I can't, you know, so we got to do this together. And I've noticed that he's not leaving, beating himself up anymore. Now that we've got him away from public school, he's telling me it's okay. Like he tells me it's okay. And it's not the covering up kind. It's like a really real kind of conversation Mm -hmm. and I don't think I would have ever gotten that if I would have just gone right well you're dyslexic and this is what your life is going to be and you're this and you're that and just labeled them up into a box and said let's manage that right it's not about managing anymore that's Mm -hmm. like a survival mode isn't it Mm -hmm. well I mean you would know because you were you were raised with the same or you, you grew with that label over you too so you knew what that was like at every milestone so you have a sensitivity to it, thank goodness, that lets you know, look, this environment may not be good for him. Thank God there was an op- a, another opportunity for you, another option for you. For him, that's a better fit. I mean, I wish that's like, ugh, you know, that I wish there were more options like that, that, that let the kids, you know, we just don't have the capacity and the school system and the resources, and it's so frustrating. But I mean, right now I'm dealing with it too. Like, I hate to single my kid out, but we're having a real issue right now and I don't know what to do. And I'm the same way. I sat down last night, like trying on my bag of tricks and, you know, he wants me to go to school with them and it's like, I can't fix it. And what's the answer? So I still don't know my answer, but I, I get, I mean, I hear you, but you know, I think continuing to talk through it and continue. Luckily he has you as a mom, you know, you guys picked each other. I know we picked each other too. And so, you know, there's part of that teacher exchange between both of you that's going to continue to learn, but it's, I, I agree with you. It's, it's highly, highly frustrating, but I love that he's in a place where he can feel safe enough now and like authentically claim his feelings. You mentioned that um, that was achievable because of the sensitivity. Like I had a sensitivity to that yeah. dyslexia, mm-hmm. but maybe I don't have a sensitivity to ADHD or even beyond that, um, you know, another kind of label or right. whatnot. How... Can I be more aware that I am not sensitive to something and maybe I'm feeding somebody's label, like helping them believe in their own label unknowingly? Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, 
to be aware when a label or diagnosis or some overarching word comes up, um, where we automatically make assumptions, you know, because what happens is, is that, that when the bell the in our head needs to go off, well, it would be nice. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I wish I could say, yeah, you Don't know, it sound the bell do it. for everything. I mean, if you see any post of mine that's personal, like my pet peeve is um, people that are judgmental and that immediately make assumptions and expectations because it's happened to me. I mean, people like see me or they know something about me or where I've been, and all of a sudden, I mean, everyone goes through that feeling misunderstood. It's a very universal feeling, and so you know, I would beg people for the grace. I stopped because I don't know if begs a strong word, but it kind of wants to come out like to give people the grace of just stepping back and you know what, hearing the story that for me is huge. Cause I need that from people. Like I, as much as you want to be heard as much as you don't want a label or, you know, the one bad day that you had when the person saw you scream at your kid in the target parking lot. And all of a sudden you're like the bad mom. You're I mean, bad yeah, mom. I know other, you know, we've all done, I look up and someone's standing there and I'm like, no, 95% of the time I'm really great. They saw that, you know, and you want the grays. I mean, um, you know, and it's like, just, I would beg people just to step back and just ask more questions. Just listen. Well, how does that play out for you? You know, so, okay, the label, so you're, you're you, you suffer from, um, a lot of people have suffered from depression. You suffer from that. What does that mean for you? Like, what is it, how does that play out in your life? And just listen to the story more. Instead of taking on your definition that you've right. created somehow, because right. we know that's not going to fit the other person, because right. we're all completely individual and different. Mm-hmm. So then asking the questions and listening to the story to learn their definition. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so beautiful to do that because then you're you're giving them not only permission to be truthful and to share, but you're you're letting them open up. And in that, I think, can come more opportunities for the for both parties to grow. And you can unhinge those labels that, you know, lock us up inside those boxes, which nobody wants. I have two things running through my head right now. I don't know which one to grab. Uh, I'll go with the first one. Assumption and expectation. That's the alarm. Mm -hmm. That's the bell that happens. Mm -hmm. And then you provided some techniques like listening, listening to the person's story, Mm -hmm. asking more questions. And then you can create your relationship with that, whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily creating a new label, but a relationship with yeah, let me tell you, this is so interesting. This is It's interesting when you picked this topic for this podcast, when I was getting my undergrad, this is actually what my thesis was on. And yeah, and there's a study and um, that's like groundbreaking. And they took these kids that all had the same, um, on average, the same IQ. And they put them in a classroom and they told the teachers from the beginning, they picked out 20% of the kids and they said, these kids are going to be our late bloomers. This, they're showing that their IQs are going to exponentially rise this year. So just keep an eye on these guys and expect the most from, you know, these 10 kids or these five kids. They showed at the end of the year, even though they all had tested actually pretty much around the same medium um, IQ, the ones that were expected to be the late bloomers, actually their IQs went up by five to six points by the end of the year and the other ones stayed the same. And it was merely the assumption is based on the research was that because the assumption was put, now the kids were not aware of it, but the ones that were working with them, the teachers and the leaders, because the expectation was there, it was massaged and grown and it would just, it formed like a massive energy that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And they assumed the other ones would stay where they were. So, you know, it the test, so I'm just giving you the research because I'm also a clinician for those of you that like, you know, the science behind stuff. I mean, that is, that's been shown over and over again. So when we, instead of doing that kind of a thing, I'm just showing you how strong expectations play out. Um, instead of, oh, you suffer from, you know, long-term depression or, you know, deep depression or bipolar, like, I'm not going to expect you to 
never be okay and never be happy. Therefore, I'm not going to want to be around you. Gosh, tell me how that feels for you. And, you know, when, it, when, when have you ever felt better? Or, or gosh, what, when did that start? And, you know, listening to the story, I'm really insecure. Gosh, you know what, where do you think that came from? You know, I'm trained in doing that kind of a thing. But when you sit and look a person in the eyes and ask, like, what happened for you? Not like challenging it, but just giving room for a dialectic between two people. I mean, it's like flowers bloom when the people are able to sit and be safe, especially if you know, if they know you're safe. And it, I just, I, I'm like, I'm seeing like unhinging, like things just popping up and growing and flourishing in a way that they haven't been able to flourish before because it gives permission and allowance for more conversation and openness. All right, so now I have one complaint that I am imagining that many of the listeners and viewers have which is what you're saying requires time. Yeah. This is not a quick conversation. You're not going to be like, all right, come on, come on, come on. Come on tell me your story. Mm-hmm. How did it go? Speed up for me? Right. Like, okay, okay, no, 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 we totally got it. Let's go. Yeah, we're good. Mm-hmm. No, you're talking about chilling out, mm-hmm. really getting to the source of it, mm-hmm. and really listening. Yeah. And I think a lot of us in our culture and our society, we don't know how to do that. We have been trained now for year after year after year to keep the momentum going. Mm-hmm. That if you're slow, you're lazy yeah. or you don't have a direction. So how are we going to get our heads to kind of agree that when we hear the assumption and expectation that it's okay. Hey, you're going to be okay to take the time to invest in this. It's not going to be lost time. Yeah. Is that so like beautiful. stepping away from ego too? Yeah. Oh gosh. All this is stepping away from ego. Yeah, because it, it's it's giving permission for something new, you know, and it, it's putting the soul first, and it's 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 honoring the person. And I know we don't all have time to sit and do that, but it's even even if you say to the person, how about we just not use that label? Like we know that's an experience you've had. I'm not going to expect you to be that way. You can start there. Like that's a very simple. I if you really this is an important person in your life, you can start with that. Like you know what I, I I'm actually. I just watched this podcast and I know that things can be different. So how about we just say you have depressive or angry or whatever experiences instead of putting that label on you and just see where it goes. And then as time goes on, you know, as you're sitting down and having time together and connecting, you know, block off that time. If you really want to invest in this person and have that conversation and let those conversations come and yeah, being present, I mean, it's huge and and it's hard to carve out. It is, but if it's someone that you genuinely care about or if it's yourself and you need that from other people, you know, ask them to watch this and ask them to sit down and give you some time because people are really afraid of diagnoses because number one, they don't really know what they mean. You know, number right. two, they're afraid of how they're going to, they're afraid they're going to like um, trigger you like, oh, what's this person going to do? Like, what does that look like when it comes out? You know, so yes. there's a lot of fear. And so it's just not like, I mean, people, so many people that claim these, I don't say the, the diagnoses are, I mean, deep down, like struggling and so beautiful and often extremely smart. And, you know, they've learned how to contain it, but to have someone sit in their presence and really hear their truth and allow them to explore that and be understood, I mean, that what we all want. That's the, Oprah used to say that all the time. Everyone just wants to be understood. That's why her show did so well, you know? And so by giving that to each other, it's a huge gift. I feel like every time we say the name Oprah, we have to go light a candle somewhere, <laughs> you know, pay homage. Yeah, it's true. Give. Yeah, <laughs> She did pave the way, for sure. For a lot of yeah. things, which mm-hmm. very grateful. So in the act of slowing down to have a conversation, do you have any tips for the hurry it up mind? 
the um, like I, I touched on it briefly a second ago, but the the kind of thing in the back of your head says, yeah, 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 that that's their stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like you got it, you got it when they said it the first time. Is there some kind of coddling or attention that we can give our own mind just to, you know, get it to shush? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I just posted the other day that we should want. As much as we want to be understood, we should also want to understand. And and I, I know because we are so fast-paced here. And, you know, I think that what we do to ourselves too, because I have friends that claim the ADD diagnosis. I've been diagnosed with it before. I mean, whatever. I understand it now as like a benefit because you can tend to 100 things at once. But people often will say, I'm like, dude, you can rule a company. Like, it's not a bad thing. Um, but... Uh, Instead of saying, because people do this, oh, look, I'm not, I'm not good at listening. Like, I'm not, I have a really hard time. Then you're labeling yourself too. Then you right. said, I can't do it. Like, look, let's get that language out of the way. That's just an excuse to not be invested in the relationship because it's scary. Oh my God, an excuse. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. So we could have a label that's not really a label. It's just an excuse. Yeah. I mean, people do because, you know, when you sit and invest in somebody like that, I mean, yeah. there's fear. Then you also have a vulnerability of being, um, like, intimately connected through the conversation. And then maybe layers of you might also come off. So, you know, I this is why I do what I do and why I love having these conversations because it's like that's where we form these connections and that's where we deepen ourselves. And that's where maybe we're discussing a label, but when we're truly present with somebody and we're not only wanting to be understood, but we want to understand, you know, it's – also mind you karma's big and it's going to come back to you like you're going to receive the energy that you're putting out so it's kind of it'll end up being a win-win but when you sit down with someone that really wants to be heard you know remember that gift is going to come back to you as well and so you know it's, it is quieting the mind it is just like let me hear let me really tune into this person number one put your phone away um and let me <laughs> wait say it again yeah say number it again. one put your phone away like don't even have it face up wait, unless Dr. your child is maybe in an emergency yeah go ahead dr karen <laughs> did you just say put your phone away put your phone away amazing yeah. <laughs> i mean i can't it's so and i know we can do like a whole thing on this but this, let's just say this simply when your phone unless and i understand sometimes you need to because i have kids and i think you know sometimes you you may need to be alert but just at least turn it over because if not i mean you're oh, watching flashes but, right wasn't there some study done with your phone? It's like a reward system that um, I'm sure. Yeah, when it something pops up and then you get to read it, you're like, "Ooh, I caught yeah. it! I received something positive." So it keeps you trained to look and catch and go and go and go, even though you really aren't waiting for an important email or anything. You're just seeing how many emails have come in, how many mm-hmm. texts did I get, how many posts on Facebook, and it's mm-hmm. a reward system. Mm-hmm. So can it's we so give true. ourselves different rewards, like listening? face-to-face connection understanding yeah like real connection i mean oh i mean that's a whole nother podcast but let's just keep it real here and like say yes please like this is such a big part of it it's please allow yourself to have that face-to-face connection and really embed yourself you know in you know those even if it's just five minutes i would beg for 20 i'd beg for an hour but to be fully present with somebody because and i know it can be scary because you can't you know at least i know when you're on the phone you can correct your words or whatnot but oh my gosh, it's so much more, the payoff is so much deeper when you're having these conversations and then you get to know more about who you are as well. And, it, and it's real. I mean, it's, ah, uh, yeah, it, it's a big one. I've noticed what I do when I'm having a deep conversation with my husband, you know, and I've set it up and we've made time for it. And when I start to feel like I'm not being understood or, or maybe I'm not saying it in the right way because I'm not getting the response I expected, which is, number one yeah that's big because um, it came in with an agenda that I didn't need to have mm-hmm. I really wanted to hear what he was doing 
I do this walk away bit. Boom, I turn and I start doing, oh, oh, look, oh, look, you know, we got to do this now. Uh-huh, yeah. And I fidget and I move and I caught myself. It was this week. I put everything down and I turned around and I went, I apologize. I didn't need to walk away. I just didn't know what to say. I was like, let me come back. So I came back and then I made a joke of, you know, kind of like Jesse, our producer here, take two. <laughs> and I was like, take two. I was like, talk to me again and I want to listen. And he just looked at me like, who are you? Yeah, like, that was nice. But I didn't realize that once I felt like I was hitting a wall, whether it was knee high or 100 foot high, that I would turn my body and kind of disengage. Mm -hmm. You know, my ear was still working. But my body was like, well, we're just going to show him that we don't like what he's saying. And we'll just, mm -hmm. I'm not doing it anymore. And it's actually changing the way that I'm listening to him. Mm -hmm. Something simple like that, even though I thought I was doing a really good job. It's so big. And, you know, the fact that you owned it is so huge. I mean, if we all did that, I mean, oh, my gosh. You know, it's we all have relationships where that never happens. I know. I mean, I know I have. And it's so highly frustrating. But when someone, no matter what the conflict or disagreement or lack of, of fulfilling an expectation is, if we ourselves can stop and just say, mm, okay, I just saw what I just did. Um, take two. Let's start again. Yes. Like, I'm going to own that. I'm sorry it was disrespectful, and I really want to be here and, like, let you share your truth and your experience of, of, of what you believe we're talking about and, and give you your space instead of, like, punishing you for not, yeah, fulfilling yeah. what I need. Oh, it's I so hard. I had no yeah. idea that so I was hard. punishing or shunning something just from you know the posture or leaving the room and going uh-huh keep talking I can hear you yeah. no that's that's not right yeah well you it's know, ego and, and it's subconscious is just by the way yeah it is yeah mm -hmm. it's the ego being like the well then I'm gonna rise up to a position of power because I can do this and make you feel a little disempowered which you're not consciously thinking it's subconscious yeah and so by disengaging I'm gonna take my power back and I'm gonna go over here and kind of halfway because then I'm gonna rise up that's just it's ego so yeah, when we like to recognize the ego is getting in the way and it's trying to make us do this when we realize and we really need to be here because the relationships that are going to work the best are, I mean, oh my gosh, if you can stay here more than keep doing this. I mean, it's, oh my gosh. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's magic happens. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And the thing that caught me was the, um, the expectation that I, yeah. I acknowledged I wasn't hearing what I thought I wanted to hear mm -hmm. and that made me stop. Mm -hmm. but come on. I mean, life's moving so fast. I'm not catching all those little things. Right. And how are we like, I mean, I enjoy being a perfectionist. So when <laughs> I acknowledge something or learn something, I want to apply it to every part of my life, but then I'm not getting everything done because I have to move so slow right. to communicate well, to listen better. I have to give myself to the moment and not think about, crap, the bank is already closed. It's four o'clock. You missed that mm -hmm. one. Yeah. And you won't do it tomorrow. So now you got to find somebody. And then I thought Gosh, there should be like an Uber bank service where they come to your house and they pick up those deposits. You know, and then my head goes, oh, well, you can actually take a picture, picture of it on the phone. Yeah. Uh -huh. But I don't want to do that because I don't want to get hacked. And, uh -huh. you know, and then I go monkey mind. That's so funny. And yeah. so yep. um, like, how is it when you're doing therapy with people you know, where's this nice balance of, great, you learn something and you want to apply it, but it's not about consuming yourself with it. Mm -hmm. Where's the, the gentle middle space of oh, being human? Yeah. I was like the gentle middle space of being human. 
you know, it is, and it comes up in every session and it comes up for me too. I mean, that exact bank statement uh, question, I actually had the same mental gymnastics game go on in my mind last <laughs> week. Gymnastics, I'm like, and yeah. you can, you actually can, Karen, cause there's an app on your phone. You can take the picture. Um, I know. I feel like I'm the only one that actually goes in the bank anymore. I'm like, I know I'm the only one that actually walks in with the checks. Um, but anyway, back I to like what you were saying. It. I think, you know, it goes back to grace for the self. We were so hard on ourselves and like, I'm, I have to work on it, but I'm also with clients, it is a constant, um, it's, it's, it's like an art form for us. It's like to, to grant ourselves and to bring us back to a place where we're granting ourselves grace and where we say, you know what, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm allowed to slow down. I'm allowed to be imperfect. Like I'm, there's nothing wrong. Like nothing I've done is wrong. And that's huge. Like everything that's happened to this moment and in this moment is exactly the way it is supposed to be. If there's something I need to correct, if I've hurt somebody, it's okay. We're going to flow into that and I'm going to do what I need to do to correct that. But everything is happening exactly in the space to help me grow that it's supposed to help. Everything is exactly as it should be. And take, just taking deep breaths and honoring yourself and just knowing that you are in the space you're supposed to be in without rushing in. And perfect, again, so let's talk about perfectionism for a second. It serves you well because, I mean, look, the studio is beautiful. The work that you do is beautiful. You know, it keeps you looking beautiful. It's, you know, there are reasons that that serves you and why in this life that's been like a great quality of yours. But then you've got the hindrance side mm -hmm. where then it gets in the way and there's like self-judgment and, so, and criticism and all that. So what I would want you to do is really honor, look at how beautiful this is playing out. Let's turn this into like life being fluid. So that's what I do too a lot with people. Let's flip that this is going to be hard and that we're going to judge ourselves. And do you know what? I'm going to be so good at this and it's going to happen. Maybe not in the exact time that my monkey mind is making me think it should happen, but it's going to be fluid. It's going to be easy. And dare I say fun, it's going to be fun. And you know what? It's going to happen in perfect alignment with who I am called to be. And I'm going to just let the other stuff go. And I, I do teach, you know, meditation and deep breathing and those things that can help our physical body to also calm down. But oh my gosh, give yourself grace, people. Give yourself grace. You're right where you're supposed to be. Everything is happening exactly as it's supposed to be. And once you breathe into that, all that cortisol and all that, you know, adrenaline that has gotten you so angry at yourself, you automatically through deep breathing, train yourself back down. Okay. In that sound clip and uh, Jesse, let's just put that on the loop for myself, please. Thanks. <laughs> I want to listen to that when I go to bed and I want to listen to that mm. when I wake up. <laughs> I think that will yeah. oh, me too, really get me going. Yeah, me too. And give myself the permission to be imperfect. I adore that. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. It's, well, Brene Brown writes about this right now, and she's done extremely well because everybody relates to it. And she got up on a stage and said, oh, my gosh, all this crap's happened to me. And she gave her truth in a way that showed vulnerability and talked about her imperfections. But, oh, my gosh, millions of people related because we don't talk about that because dare we say to somebody that we're imperfect and then we're shining a light on our, on our imperfections and then that makes us feel more vulnerable. She's on stage is doing it. She's writing books about it, and she's done so well because – People are like, oh my gosh, I feel that way every day. So everyone's relating to this. And that's what's wonderful about these podcasts is, you know, it's it's then, so what do I do about it? I take a deep breath and I say, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And the other thing, I'm obsessed with Abraham Hicks and they talk about this all the time. Um, everything is working out for me. Like I do that now. That's part of my mantra. Everything is going to work out for me. It's all going to be fluid. It's all going to be fun. I'm allowed to be right where I am and everything's going to work out. And I teach my kids that too. Everything's going to work. Everything is solvable. As long as we're all here and healthy and we're, we're good. Like all those issues you're worrying about, we're good. Good. Everything is working out for you. So that's a big one. That's helped me a great deal. It's a huge one. It's huge. Yeah. Because yeah. it takes the fear. Getting all excited yeah. and flustered and feels so good to talk about it. It does. It reminds me of the giving yourself permission to be imperfect. 
the real expensive Turkish rugs, uh, the patterns, and even in the ancient Chinese rug patterning, they would do the pattern on the rug absolutely pristine. Every bit of wool, yarn, silk, whatever it is, and there would be one stitch perfectly misdone because their concept of perfection was imperfection. I love that. And so when I sit on top of the rugs at my house and I watch the patterns and I look and I find that one piece that's not done right because it's done on purpose. And it's like, yes. that's, that's this. It's such a metaphor. It's so beautiful. And it's so hard in our culture. I mean, we, we get it wrong. We get it wrong over here in the Western world. I mean, that, the, the capitalistic view of driving to perfection and working and working and working is so hard on us. It's so hard on our bodies and our minds and our spirit. It's hard on our children. It's hard on us as women, as men. And, you know, to get this piece, like I just, I really believe that our consciousness is shifting and that people are starting to get this because, I mean, these conversations are happening. We're here. And once we allow for that grace, you know, we're allowing other people from those that the same grace and we're lifting these labels and recognizing that people are individuals that are of course imperfect. The work is never done. I mean, ever. And you know, there's another one that I posted that I don't know which culture it is, but it was Eastern. And they, it, the image is a bowl that had a severe crack in it. It was an ancient bowl and it had been filled with gold and how much they honor the cracks in the bowls. It's the same thing and how it's seen as a piece of beauty. And that is the most beautiful part of the piece of artwork or the bowl was the crack. That was in it. Yeah, that I was mean, beautiful. I saw that oh, one. I liked it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Oh gosh, I could go on and on, but it's uh, it's it's when you allow the imperfection and you take a deep breath. And here's the other thing that to me is also really key. I'm a therapist, so people tell me their secrets, and let me tell you, everybody struggles with this. Everybody feels there's a thing called the imposter syndrome, where um, everyone, especially men, feel like they're going to get found out that they're not really as smart as they say they are, and they're going to get caught at work, not actually not being the expert they're claiming to be. It's a universal feeling. And to me, it takes the air out of the tire of frustration when you understand everybody's dealing with this. Like, it's not just you. You're not the only one that's living in fear that somehow people are going to discover you're imperfect. Everybody is. So for goodness sakes, people, let's all take a deep breath. It's a universal experience because all of us are imperfect. Everybody's struggling with it. I hear it all the time. And I just wish that we would have those conversations with that just we'd have, oh, me too. Oh, you too. Oh, me too. Well, tell me more about you. And I'm going to listen. Tell me more about you. And I'm going to listen and I'm not going to walk away. And if I do, I'm going to catch myself and I'm going to come back. And just really engaging in those open conversations and celebrating the imperfections. How about that? And start picking the labels off of it. Picking the labels off 100%. Instead of compressing, allowing. Allowing the people to be individuals yeah, and explain. This moment has gone by so fast, yeah. Lumineers. Yes. My head is extremely blown and my mm -hmm. heart is very full. I know our time is up together, Lumineers, but please don't cry because I'm going to do my very best to keep this beautiful Dr. Corinne back in the studio. So we'll love, love to have you back again. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Please. Of course. And Lumineers, course. you want to find out about Dr. Corinne, spell it out, and that's K-A-R-I-N.com. She's also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Am I missing anything else? Instagram, Everywhere. Twitter, yeah, we got it all. The other day I said Facegram, Instabook, whatever. Yeah. Oh, those things. I'm out there. Just Google, Huffington Post. I've got articles everywhere. I mean, just punch it in. You're smart people. You'll find that it. is yeah. true. Yeah. You guys are very yeah. smart you people. Too. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I'm I proud of you. Yes. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. You thank too. you for this. Thanks. Lumineers, thank you so much for being here. Remember, it's not woo-woo. It's true, true. Mm -hmm.
Bye. See you later. The ideas expressed by guests and channeled guests on the Lighter Side Show podcast are not necessarily Jamie's personal beliefs. Information received from the Lighter Side Show podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical or psychological advice. For up-to-date info on Jamie, visit jamiebutlermedium.com and subscribe to the Lighter Side Network, Lumineers. I'll see you there. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary.